Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello again, and welcome to A Million Other Choices. I am your host, Kim. The story I am bringing you today is another heartbreaker, and while researching, I stumbled across the podcast based out of Delta, BC, called Bend Don't Break. And this podcast was started as a way for RCMP, police, and first responders to talk about and learn ways to deal with the trauma that they face. And Constable Glenn Fenimore was interviewed on episode 27, and he worked undercover on today's case, and he gave an emotional interview about working on it, and it's worth a listen. But while listening to him, I kept remembering the constable that discovered Taylor's body, who I won't name, and I can't talk about what he said specifically, but watching his body language and his face as he talked about it, and what a huge guy he was. I mean, this guy was probably six foot five at least. But he just looked so small up there on the stand. And I felt the need to apologize to him for having to see that. I felt like our family had pushed this incredible trauma onto him. Now, I know it wasn't our fault. We were all traumatized ourselves. But it it was a reminder to me that detectives, police, and first responders are involved in these cases and traumatized by what they see in the outcomes and just dealing with people who commit atrocities. So as I go into this case, let's take a moment to think about and honor the work that investigators do when it comes to homicides and sex crimes. This is the murder of Mika Jordan. Mika Jordan, called Pika by her family, was born on December 11, 2004 to her mom Kyla Gutman and dad Spencer Jordan. Mika was described as a vibrant and very wise beyond her years. She was a little princess who loved pink and anything girly, and yet also the outdoors, and was what what some referred to as larger than life. She was certainly a cutie patootie with wavy blonde locks and symmetrical features predicting some serious good looks in her future. According to her aunt Chanel, quote, she was a shining star who could light the darkest night, She had a vivid and wild imagination that could take you to worlds you'd long forgotten since becoming an adult. Her grandpa Ken Jordan said that Mika definitely had the power to change the world one day. 
always compassionate and loving towards her younger siblings. She, like many a little girl, and this big girl, loved ladybugs and kept a jar of them in her room, but worried they needed to be outside free, so she released them. In 2009, her parents separated, and her and her little brother Levi, who was two years her junior, started to split their time between her mom and dad's places. Mom Kyla became Kyla Woodhouse when she married Brian Woodhouse, and Spencer moved in with Marie Magoon. Now, I'm not sure if they were ever legally married, but they lived together. According to court documents, there were two other younger children at the home of Marie and Spencer's as well, but it's confusing as to whose biological children they were. Kyla and Brian had three more children together, Dominic, Zachary, and little sister Rebecca. So as far as I understand it, it was only Levi and Mika that went back and forth between Spencer and Kyla's homes. During the week ending November 11th, which was the Friday that week, Mika was six and Levi was four. Mika and Levi were at their dad's place, Spencer and Marie's. There was some disputes going on over custody at that time, so the separation between Kyla and Spencer was not going great in all co-parenty like one would hope. And a few weeks before that, Kyla did contact Child Protective Services on Spencer and Marie over some scratches that were on Mika's face. This was according to Nancy Hicks' coverage on Crime Beat, but there's no reporting on if anyone came out to see Mika over that or if it was just put down to some spitefulness on the part of Kyla which it turns out it very much wasn't spitefulness on her part. She had reason to be concerned about her little peanut. On November 11th, during the day, Spencer texted Kyla that Marie had left him and he wanted to keep the kids with him at least another day. Marie also texted Kyla and confirmed that story, so Kyla said, fine, I'll get her the next day on the 12th, the Saturday after some back and forth. Knowing he wasn't going to bring her back in any ways any earlier than he damn well wanted to, she agreed to return on Tuesday the 15th. Just so you know, at least in Alberta, court-ordered custody agreements or not, the police cannot just go in and return your children to you if your ex decides to keep them longer. There has to be a reason to believe they are in danger, and then you have to have a court order to seize the kids first. It's a whole brouhaha that I'm still quite bitter over. Anyways, Kyla likely found this out the hard way and figured that she was kind of at his mercy when he was going to bring them back, so she might as well just play nice about it, even if she was concerned about the care he was she was getting there. Plus, there was supposed to be a custody review hearing on that Tuesday anyways. Then, on the evening of November 13th, 2011, at 7.18pm, so the Sunday, a breathless and panicked Marie Mergoon called 911 from her home in the neighborhood of Temple in the northeast section of Calgary to report that her daughter, little Mika Jordan, had just fallen down the stairs and wasn't conscious and didn't appear to be breathing. Mika's little 3-foot, 10-inch, 46-pound body was found by first responders at the bottom of a flight of stairs of about eight carpeted stairs that went from the main level by the kitchen to the downstairs main living room a few feet away from the bottom step. She was dirty, her hair was matted, she was covered in bruises and in full cardiac arrest. Not breathing, no pulse. They also said that she was a bit sweaty, like she had been running or something before she fell. She was rushed to the Alberta Children's Hospital and put on life support because she wasn't breathing on her own. When taking a closer look, her hair wasn't just matted, but it was actually broken off in some places and whole clumps were missing. There was also a filthy bandage on her hand that covered a horrendous third-degree burn on her left palm. Dr. Guilfoyle, who treated her in the ICU, said, quote, I have never seen a child 
with so many bruises in my career, and so I was very struck by that. And they were over parts of her body that are not typical for bruises for children, end quote. Now, I'm going to warn you that things are going to get really, really ugly here when I describe in detail for you the injuries found on this little peanut when they did a CT scan on her. She had a torn liver and an injury to her pancreas that would have required enough force on the abdomen to essentially push the bowel out of the way and crush the pancreas against her spine. She had a bilateral subdural hematoma and cerebral brain swelling indicated at least five separate and distinct blows to the head, one in the center of her forehead, one by her left ear, and two at the back of her head. Another doctor, Dr. Mahoney, said that, quote, it looked as though she had been beaten up. She had inflicted injuries all over her body. I have never seen anything like this before. The staff, the staff who cared for Mika that day hadn't either. Certainly, this was the worst case of inflicted injury I have ever seen, end quote. She also had a torn frenulum and upper lip, usually the result of a smack on the mouth. In his interview on Bend, Don't Break, Constable Glenn Fenimore described seeing Mika's injuries as traumatic for him and still gets emotional about her. So, probably not a fall down eight carpeted steps. Unfortunately, she succumbed to her injuries the next afternoon at 1.47 p.m. on November 14, 2011 and was declared deceased. Homicide detectives do not hesitate to bring in Marie and Spencer for questioning to find out who in the holy hell did this to this child. They both denied having anything to do with her injuries and insist it was a fall down the stairs. In fact, Marie had the audacity to say in her interview that children are my passion. Detective Dave Sweet was the one that interviewed her and said that there was no way that the injuries she had were not a result of a homicide, but she just denied it all. I did not do this and you're wrong. I'd never hurt her. Trust me, I never have. Now us and the police and doctors and anyone with any amount of sense knows that their story is complete bullcrap. Brian, Mika's stepdad, describes not abuse, but torture, and wonders what could a six-year-old do to deserve that and even make you want to hurt her to that degree. But Spencer and Marie are sticking to their story, and the only other witness to what happened that day to Mika is Levi, and he's four, and terrified, and they aren't going to badger another little peanut. So the only other thing they could find was that on the 10th of November, Marie's Google search history included taking care of a burn, and on the 12th, she called HealthLink, which is the number here that you can call and get medical advice from a nurse, and the recording of that call, which I've heard, is a bit ridiculous. Marie tells the nurse that she burnt her hand on a hair straightener and the nurse is like she was curling her hair and she's six and Marie says no, she caught her playing with it. Anyway, she tells the nurse that the burn is like a bubble and has turned white but isn't causing her any pain. And the nurse is like, that's impossible. A third degree burn turns white and is incredibly painful. So investigators believe that this burn happened a few days before she died and was sinister in nature and likely the reason they texted Kyla their story about wanting to keep the kids a little bit longer because a burn would cause questions. A funeral was held for little Mika with a small white casket and pink balloons and Mika's obituary read in part, in honor of Mika we ask those attending to please dress in your party wear. This is Mika's party. Wear your bling. And over 130 people did just that to show their support 
for the wee lover of ladybugs and larger-than-life Mika Jordan. Dr. Christopher Milroy, originally from the UK, reviewed the case, an expert in pediatric autopsies, and determined that there were no historical head traumas or, or abdominal injuries and that her fatal injuries happened about 25 hours before she died, so the Sunday, November 11th, the day of the call to 911. So with only that to go on, investigators feel that perhaps the best thing to do is to lay off these poor guys and stop putting so much darn pressure on them, let them go on with their lives, maybe get a new job, some new friends, enter Operation Sash or Safe and Sound in Heaven, to you and I lay people known as Mr. Big. So they do just that. Now I'll try not to go into too much detail about the sting operation, but I love these stings. They are so interesting to me on how they work. So basically, a male and female undercover cop pose as boyfriend and girlfriend. The guy offers Spencer a job, just doing basic stuff, counting money, making deliveries, etc. He's supposed to know that what they're doing is illegal, and they are just part of a much bigger organization, and the female cop befriends Marie. So we'll call them John and Mary. So Mary tells Marie, I did a hit and run, and this guy, Mr. Big, is helping me pass a polygraph and alter some security footage to get me an alibi so I don't get arrested. Then conveniently, while Spencer is out of town on one of these deliveries, Marie gets a visit from a uniformed cop saying he's there looking for Spencer. When he leaves, she calls Spencer in a panic and they decide, hey, why don't you meet with this Mr. Big and maybe he can help us get out of this. So Spencer does this because Mr. Big, as you know, needs to hear the truth, the full truth, and nothing but the truth. He has to know all the details and trust you. So Spencer gives his part of what he did to little Mika. I remember the day before, um, me and my wife were fighting. The day she, before she fell down the stairs. Me and my wife were fighting, and um, I end up taking a little bit of anger out on my daughter. No, I didn't hit her. More or less just pushed her, but I remember her um, falling back on her hard tile floors, and uh, she smoked her head pretty good there. I thought I checked her later on. I thought she was fine. Probably should have checked her out a little bit better. Um, woke up the next day. day she and, uh, sorry, what? What days are these? I, oh, I don't. Saturday the twelfth is when I pushed her and she hit her head really hard. Um, the 13th is the day she fell down the stairs and called 911. But that morning, um, we used to, uh, you were talking about lying. Lying and our kids used to drive her nuts. Mm -hmm. They learned it from their mom. Marie's not her mom. Obviously it's his stepmother. Okay. She learned the lying from her mom and it would drive me nuts. Drive me nuts to the point where it would make me mad. So. I used to uh, hit them side of the head. I'm sure your dad. Oh, I got feelings. Yeah, coughed on the back of the head. Um, used to do that a lot. Now, I remember her being lucid actually that day. What do you mean, brother? She wasn't herself. That's the only thing I can say. She's usually just happy-go-lucky, happy person. Just wasn't herself, but I was still angry. And um, honestly, don't remember how it happened, but uh, I hit her, hit her somewhere in the stomach area, 
and uh, she fell over and she was she seemed okay again. But then uh, the rest of the day, I just seemed okay. Played with the kids, had a meal, all that, and then uh, sitting on the couch watching TV, and I heard her hit bottom of the stairs. And I turned around and asked if she was okay. She wouldn't respond to me. So I got up and I asked again if she was okay. She wouldn't respond. So I picked her up, brought her into her bathroom, which was right there. I thought she just knocked herself up cold. So I'd splash some water in her face, try and knock her out of it. I noticed she wasn't breathing. So I uh, took her out of the bathroom and I, I started to do CPR on her. I uh, told Marie to call 911, and that's my story. Do you think Marie did the head injuries? When you came in, I said that hearing your voice unlocked something in my head. I, I remember, and I don't know what day it was, vague memory of her holding Mika about this high off the ground. I just... Repeatedly. How, how is she holding her? Like, just by her arms. Like here. Holding her up. I don't know from how high. And Where is, how, how, is it, you know, how is she standing up? Well, Marie would have been standing up. What are you doing? Why are you lying? You know what I mean? I don't know what she's been saying. Okay. I don't know if that helps. It's only from whatever height, but I know it would have been upstairs in the tile. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But this didn't explain all of her injuries, not the burn on the hand which the investigators are very interested in. So Spencer tells Marie, you gotta meet with them too. So they stay that night at the Blackfoot Hotel the night before this big meeting, and while under surveillance, discuss between the two of them what their story should be, and Spencer tells her, look, you gotta tell the truth, otherwise he's not gonna help us. The next day, on October 7th, 2012, to be exact, she meets alone with Mr. Big, and he tells her, Look, I got contacts at the police, but I need you to fill in some blanks so I'm not going in blind. Again, I'm going to warn you, this isn't going to be easy to listen to. I also get a bit sweary, so if you're sensitive to the F word, you'll forgive me when you hear this. According to Marie, in the week leading up to Mika's death, her and Spencer had been arguing a lot over money. Marie felt that Mika needed discipline, so she was making her run up and down the stairs. But of course, Mika was complaining, and as Marie describes, suffering from this divitude. 
but in reality, she might have been complaining more that Marie intentionally tripped her a few times as she was running these stairs, making her hit her head on the wall. So to deal with this complaining, Marie held her between her knees and put a lighter under her hand for a full 30 seconds. While she was doing that to her, Mika understandably kicked at scream and peed herself, and when she tried to close her hand up in a fist, Marie would force it open again. She said that she thought she was just scaring her and not actually hurting her. But wait, it gets worse. Spencer got annoyed during all the stairs incident and the screaming from the burn, so he grabbed her by her hair and dragged her up two full flights of stairs and threw her on her bed. The next day, on the Saturday, they decided it was a good idea to make her again run the stairs. All fucking day. And if she complained, they would spank her and make her do it again. Now remember, this is still a full 24 hours before her death. She would still have to endure Saturday and all of Sunday, and the abuse never stopped. Over the course of the next 24 hours or more, Spencer grabbed her by her shoulders, pushed her down on the tiles of the kitchen floor onto her head, literally threw her up the stairs where she hit the corner of the stove upstairs. She said that Spencer grabbed her by the ankles and dragged her up and down the stairs to show her how to do it. Marie admitted to taking a break from baking cookies and making dinner to hold her by her wrists and shake her. Now, Marie was 257 pounds of woman, and Mika weighed in at 46 pounds. And that while doing that, she screamed at her, just do what your dad asked you to do, and the shaking caused her to hit her head on the tile floor repeatedly while she screamed, yes, yes, I'll do it, I promise. On the Sunday, Mika was, according to Marie, saying she was hungry, wanted a bath, she was hot, and, quote, every excuse possible. So around dinner time, they decided to give Mika a motivational speech and yell at her to just, you know, get her going. But it wasn't working because by this time, Mika had been thrown around like a literal rag doll for two days. So Spencer shoved her again against the kitchen cabinets. While Mika lay helpless and limp on the floor, Marie grabbed her again and shook her. She promised to do what she was supposed to do and then went out again as in lost consciousness. So Marie kicked her down the stairs and hit her head, quote, pretty good. Marie then went back to the kitchen to finish baking cookies. She didn't see what happened after that. Now, I don't have the full Mr. Big confession tape, but here is a snippet so you can hear this asshat's calm voice as she describes part of what she did to this poor little peanut. And I was just like, just shaking her more than a pot. Her, holding her hand, and kind of more of a 
For Brian and Kyla to hear what was done to their child in a courtroom like that, I can't even imagine how you go on. Just to read it takes my breath away. This was Kyla's baby girl, completely defenseless, and she was Spencer's biological child. How? Why? So after this confession of pure evil, they were arrested and charged with first-degree murder, but get this, they got second-degree. They decided on a trial by judge only in the states known as a bench trial, and the judge, Justice Rosemary Nation, although found that they had both intentionally and repeatedly assaulted Mika and that their actions were known to likely cause her death, she didn't find that she had been unlawfully confined during the attacks. Now, we've talked about a couple of these issues before. To be first degree, one of three things has to be proven. It was planned and deliberate. It was the murder of a police or corrections officer or of that nature. Or the murder was committed during the commission of another felony. One such felony being kidnapping or unlawful confinement. And we also talked about this one in the Phoenix Sinclair case that the defense argued that she could have left. That you can't unlawfully confine your own child. Yes, you fucking can. It's the very nature of being a fucking six-year-old that you can't choose your fucking parents. Kyla gave an emotional and tearful victim impact statement saying, how does anyone put into words the loss of a child, my child, my baby girl? Words cannot express the pain and loss, the sorrow and anguish, the sheer devastation myself and family have experienced these last few years without Armika. I will never again get to see her smile, hear her laugh or watch her play. Never get to meet her best friends or boyfriends, teach her how to do makeup or accessorize an outfit. These things have been stolen from me in the worst way possible by somebody I once trusted. The feelings that run through me every day I have to try and forgive and forget, but the truth is I'll never forget. I will never let her death be in vain. And Brian gave a very powerful statement to Marie and Spencer. You forced us to stand with you as we said our final goodbyes and listened to her heart take its final beat. You forced us to allow you to be part of the decision-making in the funeral for the child you murdered, sharing with you our day of grief and having to look into your faces as I stood before all and said our final goodbye that you forced us to have to say. Spencer, for his part in killing his own child, offered his too-little-too-late apology. Quote, I'm sorry, but sorry doesn't bring her back. Sorry doesn't bring her back but I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry her brothers and sisters will not see her grow up. The victim is not me, you think? Mika died in my care under my roof. It's my responsibility. I loved Mika. I still do, and I miss her every single day. If I could bring her back, I would. And Marie, well, she said, I'm really sorry for all the pain and suffering I caused. It bothers me every day that I failed her. I'm really sorry 
I really am sorry. I feel a lot of shame and I deeply regret my actions. My actions were painful, cruel, and unforgivable. There are no excuses for my irresponsible behavior. I wish I could take it all back. I have a great deal of remorse. I will do everything in my power to get better. I'm really sorry, Kyla, for taking your baby away. She was a beautiful soul. I really despise it when they call a family member by name. It just feels so invasive. You don't have the right to speak Kyla's name. Those words just aren't for you, if that makes sense. I don't know. It's just something that really gets under my skin. Like if Dustin had directed my sister and spoke her name out loud, I think I would have dove over the bench to him and put my hands around his neck for just uttering her name. Anyways, at the time, Marie's lawyer, Alan Fay, agreed that this case falls into the spectrum of horrendousness. It's hard for any of us to fathom how this could come to be. My client appreciates the tremendous trauma the family has suffered because of this incident. She acknowledges the feelings they have on her. And Spencer's lawyer had the nerve to say that Spencer was not the best father, but not for lack of trying. He wasn't a cruel dad. Mr. Jordan loved his daughter too. He's a victim here. You can blame him, but no one blames him more than himself. And I hope that that's true, that there's no worse pain than wanting to undo things in your life and that desire to turn back time backwards and undo it. That is suffering, that internal struggle within yourself. So I hope that he's suffering like that. Marie felt she got a bad rap, so she decided to appeal to the Alberta Court of Appeal to have her conviction overturned on the basis of the Mr. Big Sting being unfair or some bullshit, and the prosecutor decided it was a good opportunity to appeal the second degree and asked for it to be upgraded to first degree. And the Alberta Court of Appeal said yes, determining that the trial judge, Rosemary Nation, adopted an unduly narrow definition of confinement as she interpreted the Phoenix Sinclair case as children are always confined, which lessened the need for unlawful confinement to have a physical component. She focused too much on the fact that they were legal guardians and that there was lawful confinement, but the Court of Appeal determined that their actions were so far out of what is parenting that it was ludicrous to even go there. So there was no need to draw a line demarking where the lawful confinement by a parent or guardian ends and the offense of unlawful confinement begins. Basically, the actions of Spencer and Marie crossed that line so far it was beyond comprehension. So they changed their charges to first degree, adding to their ineligibility for parole and providing a small measure of justice for Mika and her mom and stepdad and siblings. And Marie still didn't think this was fair and took it to the Supreme Court And after waiting on pins and needles to see if they were going to be denied justice, Kyla and Brian were elated to hear that the Supreme Court of Canada upheld the first-degree ruling. Quote, The appellates were acquitted of first-degree murder because of the trial judge's erroneous approach to the issue of unlawful confinement in the context of a parent-child relationship. Mika was unlawfully confined by the appellates over the course of that weekend and the continuous illegal domination of the victim extended beyond the final fatal blows or blows and was part of a continuous sequence of events that culminated in Mika's murder. Brian Woodhouse, Mika's stepdad, said of the decision, It has been a very long, painful, dramatic road, but I feel like this time we can finally say we are at the end of it. We finally found the justice that our girl deserves. We are about as happy as we can be at this point. 
It's been said over and over again, nothing is going to bring her back. That is something that we have long since come to terms with. That is a piece of us that will never come back either. And that was the uncomprehendable murder of little Mika Jordan. I couldn't find any actual details on this new case law, but according to Glenn Fenimore, he stated in his podcast interview that cases where a homicide of a child occurs where there is a custody order in place is first degree. So I looked it up and section 279 of the criminal code is the part about confinement and that it has has been amended to read that a child confined by a lawful guardian can be considered lawful confinement due to a lawful authority over a child. However, the Court of Appeal concluded that the lawful authority defense extends only to conduct which is reasonable exercise of parental authority done in furtherance of parental duties and responsibilities. The lawful authority defense, as in Section 279 in cases involving parents and their children, recognizes that parents are entitled, if not obligated, by virtue of their parental duties and responsibilities to confine their children in the best interests of the children. The lawful authority defense, however, extends only to conduct which is reasonable exercise of parental authority done in furtherance of the parental duties. Parental conduct that is abusive harmful to the child, degrading, or otherwise beyond the bounds of acceptable parenting, cannot shelter under the lawful authority. Now, before I sign off on this tragic and horrific case, I just want to make a side note about this running of the stairs. Obviously, you would never treat any child, especially your own, in a manner as Marie and Spencer did, but exercise as a form of discipline has actually come up in a few cases that I've looked at. Exercise, obviously, is good for kids. It's good for all of us. But kids can get lactic acid buildup that can cause seizures and even death. No more than 60 minutes of aerobic activity at one time and make sure that they get plenty of water and rest afterwards. And also you want exercise to be fun, not a punishment. One star, do not recommend as a form of discipline. I will be back again next week with another heartbreaking story. I'll try not to swear so much next week. As always, thank you so much for listening. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.